Exodus 2.11 to 3 to 4. Please follow along on your online bulletin or the screen above. Hear now the word of God. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Looking this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked someone in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. Now a priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and fill the troughs to water their father's flock. Some shepherds came along and drove them away, but Moses got up and came to their rescue and watered their flock. When the girls returned to rule their father, he asked them, Why have you returned so early today? They answered, An Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. And where is he? Rule asked his daughters. Why did you leave him? Invite him to have something to eat. Moses agreed to stay with the man who gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage. Zipporah gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Gershom, saying, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Amen. Good afternoon. Praise the Lord. I want to welcome everyone to uh, New Mercy in Hackensack. It's our 1 p.m. service. Wow. It's an Easter hangover or something. I don't know. Where is, what happened? Where is everybody? Uh, but God is good because you guys are the faithful ones. So uh, the people who really love the Lord. So it's awesome. Thank you for joining us today. If you are visiting us or here for the first time, I'll say an extended warm welcome uh, from our Lord Jesus Christ. Today, uh, now that Easter and this Lent season is over, we are going back to focus on our, our theme for this year, which is faith. We want to make this year a year of faith. And under the, uh, the phrase, faith forward, we have been uh, looking at uh, different, different uh, hindrances, different things that uh, block us from faith. So our first sermon series beginning of the year was breaking the soil, breaking the soil. And the idea was before we get into how to grow faith and the importance of how to spur on faith, we needed to, we need to identify obstacles, things that are blocking us, hindering us. You know, some of you guys read Soul Care by Rob Reamer, and he talks about how, you know, usually people say ignorance is bliss, 
but actually in the spiritual realm, the things that you do not know, that's what's killing you. So awareness, right? If we're not even aware, why, are, why am I not growing? Why am I stuck? Then you, we have no chance. So awareness, uh, understanding the things, uh, these objects, uh, thought patterns or, or habits or idols that is causing us to get stuck or not allowing us to grow in faith. So we talked about obstacles, hindrances of faith, breaking the soil. Uh, that was our first sermon series. And now, from today, the new sermon series is called Rooted to Grow. Uh, this amazing banner was made by our creative media ministry, Grace Key and the team. Can we just give them amazing. Every time, they generate something that shocks us. It's awesome. And they're also still looking. So if you have graphic background and stuff, join them. They're looking. So please talk to Grace Key. Uh, the sermon series is called uh, Rooted to Grow. And for the next six weeks, we'll be looking at uh, how can we, what are, what are those elements? What are different means and ways, truths that we need to know, we need to uh, really invest in so that, so that we can have good roots of faith. So the faith uh, can grow and the roots of faith could grow. And we can really have a chance to be fruitful. So throughout this whole year, here at New Mercy, we're going to talk about faith. Yeah? We want to make this year a year of faith, a year of taking a step into the unknown and the unseen. That's our, that's our goal this year. So all the sermon series, everything that we do, it's going to be uh, pushed from the faith perspective, and everything's going to go forward. So today, our uh, second sermon series will be Rooted to Grow, and I have the privilege of launching this sermon series. Um, we looked at the story of Moses today, and as I was thinking about, oh yeah, you know, what type of message would be good to launch us off uh, in terms of faith and how to grow faith and how to be rooted uh, to, to grow in faith, and the word that came to mind was simply, it was, again, relationships. For the Christian, our main thing regarding faith is not the intensity of our faith, biblically, but what we need to be most concerned about is the object of our faith. Amen? So for the Christian, technically it's not how much faith you have. That is important, yes, but that's not what the scripture is asking us. But it's, are you sure you have the correct object? That upon whom? Where do you place your faith? That's why scripture says what? Even if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, mustard seed, you can still move mountains. Because that faith is anchored upon Jesus Christ and the truth of God, then you are able to even move mountains. That's the, that's, that's the truth that God teaches about faith. Verses like Hebrews eleven six 6, it says what? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's such a kind of interesting verse, isn't it? Without faith, it's, it's not possible to please God, to love God, to make God happy. And what has faith to do with Love, joy, everything. See, for the Christian, faith is a relational thing. Faith is not just some random objective thing that you pull out of the air, but faith starts, it begins from and in and through our relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. So as we think about, maybe today as we start uh, this, this sermon series of a Root to Grow, what I wanted to look at is, again, the relational dimension. And with the relational dimension, two words came to mind, and these words were encounter, and connection, encounter and connection. Um, actually, can we just pray one more time quickly, if it's okay? Can we just bow our heads? Let's pray for just the preaching of the word. 
Lord, we, Lord, we ask that uh, just your presence through your spirit that you will really speak to us today. Uh, we thank you for, again, just our community. Uh, just this privilege, this freedom to come together every week uh, and to share life, Father, with one another. Uh, what, a, what a privilege it is. Remind us this day, unite our hearts, Father. Remind us that we are your people. Remind us how much we are loved. Remind us, Father, that you are still working in and through us today, God. Uh, we pray just a little bit more, that little bit, uh, just, just an extra dose of your mercy, your grace to be over us today. So we thank you for your words. We thank you for uh, who you are in us. In all things, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So we're going to be looking at the life of Moses from here, Exodus chapter 2, uh, 11 to uh, chapter 3, 1. And this is the part of Moses' life. A lot of commentators uh, call it the, the middle section of his life. So life of Moses is very, very just uh, uh, divided up into thirds. First third is the 40 years he was the prince of Egypt. You know the story of Moses, right? You know, like Moses' mother. This was a time when the Egyptians were killing off all the babies, all the male babies of, of, of Hebrews. So they had a son, and they didn't want to kill the son, so they make a box, uh, and they put Moses in the box, and they put him in the Nile River. And the Pharaoh's daughter happened to find this baby. You guys know Exodus chapter 1. Uh, and she rescues the boy and uh, grows up as a prince of Egypt, as, as uh, Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's daughter's uh, son. And uh, he grows up in the, in the kingdom of Egypt, and he is known as the prince of Egypt. And uh, the, first, the first 40 years of Moses' life, which is probably privileged life, he had all the power and, and status and anything that he wanted, he had. He experienced, he probably ate the best food and uh, he had everything. That was the first 40 years of his life. Then clearly Acts chapter 7 actually talks about second phase of Moses' life. Was, it was another 40 years. Uh, and the 40-year second phase was uh, Moses runs away, today's story. He kills an Egyptian, he runs away to the desert. Then now he is abandoned and he's a fugitive in the desert for 40 years. And actually, the second uh, 40 years, which is the whole thing is actually what we read today. Not much written about it. Uh, but that's today. That's, that's the second 40 years in the middle. Then we, of course, know the last 40 years, where Moses is glorified, he's lifted up, and God calls him and uses him. And in the Old Testament, out of all the prophets, all the heroes of faith in the Old Testament, uh, for the Israelites, Hebrews, Moses is definitely number one. There's no one like Moses. And even just in terms of his encounter and connection with the Lord and, and intimacy with the Lord. Of course, there's David, King David, the shepherd boy. He's pretty close. But for me personally, I think Moses had the most face-to-face, -face, uh, intimate, just encountering presence with, with God. Verses like Exodus 33, 11. I don't know if you have this. Exodus 33, 11 talks about Moses this way. Exodus 33, 11, do we have this? The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to his camp. He's talking about one of you know, the, the, the intimacy that Moses had with God. And as people are describing Moses' intimacy with God, it says Moses was someone, the Lord, God, would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. You never ever see this in any other description of any other person, not even David. 
So Moses had this relationship and encounter with God. So that's the last 40 years of his life, right? He takes, you know, Exodus, he takes the Israels out of Egypt, and God just uses him tremendously. And that's the Moses that we know, the great leader, the great representative of God. But today, as we think about faith and relational dimension of faith and encounter and connection, which is all this package, we want to look at the middle portion, the 40 years that no one talks about. You know, as I was preparing the sermon for just a couple of weeks, uh, I was meditating on this section. It's very short. It's not much there. What we read today, that's it. 40 years of someone's life, the middle portion of his life, uh, it's a couple of verses. It talks about how uh, today, you know, it starts off Moses became an adult. So he was about 40 years old, the first 40 years at the end of it. He confronts this Egyptian killing a Hebrew. Then he gets, you know, he kills somebody. Then they found out that he gets thrown to, you know, he runs away to the desert, the Midian. Uh, then today's text, that's it. He meets a priest of Midian and his daughter, Mary Zephorah. Then they have a son. And basically, Moses just settles down. Then the verse goes, a long time has passed. Then we meet Moses again, Exodus chapter 3, 1, where God calls Moses for the first time. And that took 40 years. So I was kind of thinking about it. What happened in those 40 years? What happens in those days? What are maybe some things we could learn from Moses and this narrative, this story of Moses, as we think about those 40 middle 40 years of Moses' life? So again, three points, okay? I'm being faithful to who I am. Three points today. Uh, what can we learn from Moses' uh, desert years, his 40 desert years? Number one, God is actively working around us, and there is always a new encounter waiting. God is actively working around us, and there is always a new encounter waiting for us. These verses today show us uh, the life of Moses and how uh, he kills this Egyptian and he runs away to this desert area called Midian. And Midian from Egypt, scholars say it was about 280 miles away. So this is not like a quick Distance is a significant distance, meaning there is real intention that is showing that he really ran away. This was actually the other side of the Sinai Peninsula, which is current today's Saudi Arabia. So from Egypt, back then, there's no car, so maybe he's prince of Egypt, so maybe he stole a chariot, I don't know. But yet still, it took him a long time. And scripture is, is really telling us that Moses really left and he was almost outcasted, abandoned into this desert, Midian, uh, 280 miles away. Then Scripture today teaches that he settled down. He met this woman, uh, Zipporah, uh, and he got married, and he had a child. And Scripture is teaching us what? He almost, he probably, he just kind of gave up on his first life. I am done. My days as a prince of Egypt is done. This is now my life. I'm in the desert, and he settles down. And the tone is that. And just to summarize this section, verse 23 of uh, chapter 2, it says this. It says, in summarizing the whole 40 years in this, it says, during that long period. That's the, how the original Hebrew summarizes the whole time, uh, Moses in the desert. During that long period. It's not even during that period, something happens. It's during that long period. And 
uh, we know the scholars uh, teach us, and Acts chapter 7 confirms that this time period, this long time period, was 40 years. He kills somebody, he goes to the desert, and now he's in the desert for 40 years. But you know what? When we really think through the life of Moses in this middle 40 years, the way that he enters the desert, he's a killer, he's a murderer, he gets outcasted, he gets stripped from everything that he once had, his status, his privilege, his power, everything, and he, gets, he runs into the desert. But the, after the 40 years, the middle time, how he comes out of the desert, Exodus chapter 31, as God calls him, he is a different man. He's not the same Moses. There's something really broken about him. There's something really humble about him. And finally, he becomes the Moses that God sees to be now ready to lead my people out of Egypt. Something takes place in that 40 years in the desert. You know what? I think the first point is this. As I was kind of thinking about this, we often forget, as many of us often go into the season of the desert, we often forget how God is still actively moving. Whether you feel it or not, whether you feel like you, you lost something, that now I'm a total you know, failure or broken, you feel like you're in that desert. You, you feel like most of, our li- most of your lives, I think most of us, we feel like more of our lives is like that middle 40 years of Moses' life. No? I don't feel like I'm prince of Egypt, I made it. There's always something, something dry, something slow, something stuck. Often we feel like we're in that desert period. And sometimes often we wonder, is something going, is anything happening? God, are you moving? Are you active? Are you still there? But I think that's the first point. God is still active and he's moving. And for a lot of us, we are just one encounter away. And this one day, Moses gets up. It's the same day. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Moses, the shepherd, he just goes out and he tends sheep. He's a shepherd. Once a prince of Egypt becomes a shepherd, 40 years you're shepherding sheep. In the desert, nobody knows, nobody cares. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, even for Moses, he probably gave up. He gave up. He given up. He's tired, he's weary. Yeah, once I was this. Maybe he even forgot. He, he once used to be a prince of Egypt. But then that day, everything changed. God encounters him, and now at the end of his 40, so 80 years, he is ready, and he's a changed man. So for us, there's always an encounter waiting. And when I talk about encounter, I'm not talking about something like supernatural, right? Sometimes we hear this word encounter in the Christian sense, and a lot of you guys are thinking, oh, like charismatic, some kind of experience, or, or God's spirit just coming and just breaking me, shattering me. You know, because I think more of the Christian life just is more mundane. It's more normal. It's just every day you punch in, punch out. We're like the shepherd. We're like in the desert. God calls us just to be faithful. But when I talk about encounter, what I'm talking about is what? Again, it's the relational dimension. Relationally, there has to be some kind of a connection. And God comes to Moses in a fresh new way, and he connects with him. And he calls him by name. Moses, you might have forgotten who you were, but guess what? Even after these 80 years, 40 years in the desert, nothing happening, when God comes to him at the end, he says what? He says, Moses, Moses. Calls him by name. First time the name Moses is uttered in the whole story. First time. Not by his parents, not by the Pharaoh, but actually by God. 
saying, yes, Moses, you're in the desert. I know it was a long, dry, difficult, challenging period, but it was necessary, and I remember you still, and there is a new call, and God encounters him. You know, some of us, it is, we are just one encounter away. And as I was meditating through this, another kind of voice came, and I felt like this was what God was saying. I, was, I felt like God was saying, one Jay Hudson, certain encounters can only happen through the desert. Certain encounters will only come as we go through the desert. Isn't it true? I think this middle 40 years, even though it biblically is very short, few verses, not much written on it, but I'm guessing the middle 40 years of Moses' life was the most crucial part of his life. Him being shaped and formed to be ready to be the Moses that we know. If he didn't have the middle 40 years, I don't think there was a lot of 40 years. And for a lot of us, you know, if, if you feel like you're in that season, you're stuck, uh, trust in the Lord. God still loves you, knows you, wants you, but yet he is pausing because in that desert 40-year season, mid-season, he is working on you. The Moses who entered the desert, completely a different man than the one who leaves after 40 years. Completely different. Amen? Okay, number one. Number two, as, our, number two, as we think about this middle 40 years of, of Moses, second thing I want to talk, think about is uh, our stories, our stories matter to God. Yet, true purpose comes when our story connects with God's story. Okay? Our personal stories, it matter to God, but yet true meaning and purpose will come only when my story, our story, connects with God's story. First three chapters of Exodus, it's very interesting. In the Hebrew, it's written very interestingly because there's almost these two voices. There are two narratives that goes. First narrative, first voice of Exodus chapter 1 is a, 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 a story that is being told about the history almost of Israel. God is saying how Exodus chapter 1, uh, there was a generation who came into Egypt, which is the patriarchs. Remember how Genesis ends. Joseph calls his brothers, remember, Pharaoh, then they get stuck there. That's how the Israelites are in Egypt, by the way, right? They get stuck there. Years have passed, and Genesis one, uh, Exodus 1 writes, there came a generation where Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation dies. So God is looking down on history, and for the Lord, uh, you know, for us, we live, what, like 80, 90, whatever, 100 years, and we have a generation with time period with that's it. But for God, he's looking at human history from past, present, and future. And there is a different type of a narrative, a flow, a story that is being told. And that's what exactly Exodus 1 is saying. A generation came, Joseph's generation died out, a new king came, a new pharaoh came who did not know the Hebrews. So they started enslaving them. And there's a story of God comes in Genesis, uh, Exodus 1. But within that story, Exodus 2 comes, and now there's another story. It's told of a story of Moses, a personal story, a story of a man of a family. 
Uh, this family had a baby, and you know, they didn't want to kill the baby, so they made an ark and saved the baby, and the baby grew and has a, has a, has a very interesting story. He d- didn't know who his father was and mother was, and a story of a person called Moses. So almost it's like a two parallel stories that's happening. But what's interesting is in Exodus chapter 3, when God encounters Moses, what is happening? For the first time, the two stories meet. You know, I don't want to disappoint you today, but um, we are not the center of our stories. There is a grander, a greater, bigger meta story that is being that is that is, has been happening throughout our lives, throughout the generation, throughout history, human history, and that is the story of God. That is a story of God's redemption. You know, the theologians call it the historical redemption plan of God. From Genesis on, God is telling a story. and It is a plan of redeeming and healing his people. And that story has been going on forever. And that's top layer. We call it a meta-narrative. It's, it's been happening. And under that, all our stories are there. So I was born 19, I don't want to say whatever, and going on. And I'm, you know, 32 years old. And it goes on. Then one day I will die. Yes, one day I will die. One day Hassan knew I will die. Everybody will pass. Scripture says some people live you know, 80, 90, whatever, 100. But our stories are limited. So we are not the center of this big narrative, but there's a God story. God values our story, and God is interested in our story, but we're not the center. This is, this is very important. Unless you experience that moment when your story connects with God's story, you'll never ever real, have real meaning and purpose in your life. We were created to experience and encounter something grander, bigger than what our story could give us. Unless our stories can connect with the meta-narrative of God and we realize where we fit in, and for the first time, maybe realize why I was born. Because you were just, you were not just meant to live out your story and live 70, 89 years and die. That's it. It's not just for accumulation of wealth or money or family or marriage or those things are good, but it's too small. And that has to get connected to the grand story of God. Then finally, for the first time, you're going to find meaning. You'll be like, oh, I get it. See, here today, again, for Moses, God's story is being told. You know, God is actually interested in the uh, history of the, the patriarchs, Abraham, Joseph, you know, uh, all the story. Then how the Israelites were in Egypt and how they were suffering under the Pharaoh and, and slaves. And as this story is formed, Exodus 2, it says what? God hears. God hears the prayers of his people. And there's a redeeming story that he has plans. He, I want to save these people. But in the, midst, in the middle of that, Moses' story is told. This, this boy is born and he's saved and he grows up in the you know, uh, court, the kingdom of Egypt. And he, gets, he kills somebody. He gets cast out to the desert. And Moses thinking just within his story, he thinks that's it. Oh, this is my life. I was a sucky person. I killed somebody. I'm in the desert. I'm stuck. But yet, as God is shaping and forming his story, then God 
meets Moses, calls him, and there's an encounter. And the story of Moses now gets connected directly to the redeeming narrative of this bigger picture. And everything becomes now so grand and wow. You know, this is for all of us. Yes, God is interested. Your stories matter. Trust me, it does. Scripture says, well, he knows a number of hairs in your head. He cares. But if you really want to feel your worth and true value and meaning and purpose in your life, the stories that you're telling is too small. Right? I think I shared this before, but you know, I love Whitney Houston. I'm like a huge Whitney Houston fan. And uh, I'm just kidding. I don't want to um, I love Whitney Houston. I watched like three or four documentaries on Whitney Houston. I think she's like a goddess. I mean, she's amazing. I have never met anyone, I think, just the best voice ever. Um, Whitney Houston sang in front of thousands, tens of thousands, maybe even 100,000 people, field stadiums, concerts. I mean, crazy, right? She did everything. But, you know, when you look at her life, just the story of her life, documentaries, you know, she had a drug addiction issue or dependency struggled with anxiety throughout her life. And there was just something about her. Uh, you know, you guys know her, I don't know if you know, but her whole thing relationally with Bobby Brown, and, you know, it was very abusive. Could not get away from him because she had this emptiness, and she thought that these people would fill it. But she ended up getting hurt. Again, dependency, drugs, all that stuff. And one day I was watching this documentary, and what I realized was, even for like someone like Whitney Houston, we think she had it all and she had the greatest voice and just could command stadiums and receive the awe of all these people. At the end of the day, what? That still was not fulfilling enough. Still, it wasn't big enough. That's just her story. That's exactly how it is. No matter how much you accomplish, no matter what you gain, and our story is on its own, it's still lacking something. Because that's how God created us, that we were meant for something more. We are actually part of a greater story. And our stories need to connect and to realize that we are called and important. And there's much more that God wants in and from us. Paul Tripp, he says this. He says, thankfully, I am not the author of my own personal story. Your story isn't an autobiography either. Your story is a biography of wisdom and grace and written by another. Turn, every turn he writes into your story is right. Every twist of the plot is for the best. Every new character or unexpected event is a tool of his grace. Each new chapter advances his purpose. We were meant for him. Meant for something bigger. Just a stupid example, but I was going to think about this. You know the whole end games Avengers thing came out? I, I didn't watch it. Please do not spoil it for us, those who watched it. I know last year somebody wrote on Facebook what, what, one of the movies. Anyways, something like Endgames, you know, where Avengers come together. Every superhero has his own story. Spider-Man, Thor. But when we see how these stories come together and it gets connected to a bigger, grander story on top of it, I mean, isn't it just amazing? Isn't it awesome? The intricacies of how these people put all these 
Avengers, these superhero stories together, and it has a bigger narrative in the back. In a way, it's kind of like that. Yes, your stories matter and it's important, but there is something else that is being told, and actually we are all part of it. And once you get it, once you make that connection, then it will really change your lives. It will give you purpose and meaning. Okay? Number two, number three, last one, we'll, we'll end with this. In God's time, as we think about middle desert period of Moses' life, in God's time, he will fulfill what he has been raising us to be. In God's time, in his time, he will once again fulfill, he will always fulfill what he has been uh, raising us to be. I love how uh, in the uh, Exodus chapter 3, when God finally comes at the end of Moses' 40 years in the middle section, by this time he's 80 years old, and he calls Moses, first time God encounters Moses, he calls him by name. And a scripture today says he called him Moses, Moses twice. And in the Hebrew, a sign of um, affection, a really sign of just a personal uh, embrace. And God reminding Moses, I remember you, I still want you, and I still know you. And he calls him. Uh, and then he, from this point on, the, his latter 40 years starts. Now Moses is finally ready. Um, and God gives him this task to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt. What's very interesting is, remember how this thing, whole, the whole thing began. Chapter 211, today's text. How did he get cast out into the desert? Because he saw Egyptian and a Hebrew fighting. And he wanted to help the Israelite. And he kills the Egyptian. Then the day two comes, second day comes, the next day, he sees another uh, Hebrew Israelite, two Israelites fighting. Then he comes in again. You know, Don't you know you're Israelites? You guys are together. Why are you guys fighting? What's interesting is, even early on in Moses' life, actually, there was something in him that he wanted to deliver his people. I don't know if you see it, but uh, if you kind of read that Exodus chapter 2 part, 211, that section again, Moses is basically trying to help and deliver his people from the Egyptians. Okay? So meaning, Moses was already ready to deliver his people from the Egyptians, but yet the timing was not right. And it was that exact reason why he gets casted out into the desert. But then at the end of his desert period, 40 years, God calls him, and guess what the assignment is, the mission is? I want you to go and deliver your people from the Israelites. It's, it's so crazy. I mean, Acts chapter 7, he talks about this. Stephen, when he's stoned, you know, when he's being stoned, he talks about Moses, and he says this. When Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites. He saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian, so he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. The timing. Same heart, same intention. Yeah, I'm going to help my people. I want to deliver them. But God, in, in the eyes of God, Moses was not ready at that time. Forty years later, in the desert, breaks him, shatters him, and equips him. Now he's a humble, humble, broken man. And guess what the assignment is? Well, how to go? How to deliver my people? Same mission. 
but now he's ready. See, the Lord, he's shaping us, he's still forming us, and he will fulfill, he will fulfill that he has placed upon us, that he is changing and raising in us, one day he will use. I, I really absolutely believe that. There, the timing is crucial, and in God's time, things will happen. Proper things will happen. Uh, you know, um, sometimes I feel like, especially when we're younger, when we're young Christians, uh, just so much energy and passion. You know, I don't know about you, but when I was younger, you know, I had an encounter with the Lord when I was in high school, and uh, my faith really took off in high school. That's why for the longest time, actually, I was in youth ministry for about 15 years. Uh, that's when I met the Lord in a, in a fresh new way. My second encounter was in high school. Uh, and when, but when I was younger, uh, crazy, crazy stuff. Like I would do lock-ins with the kids, just stay up all night. I wanted to like do crazy things for the Lord. I don't know, go to North Korea. I mean, I still want to go. But, you know, uh, missions, I mean, uh, going on the streets. When I was in, um, in seminary for a couple of seasons, we would drive down to Boston, Commons, Harvard. I don't know if you guys know Harvard Square. Uh, every Saturday with some of my friends and just wanted to preach Jesus on the streets. Like when I was like 23, uh, we would go, I remember so one time we went to a Salem Mass during Halloween. Uh, I don't know if you guys have been to Salem Mass, but Salem Mass, there's really demons there. Like, like it's like where the witch trials were. And during Halloween, people dress up as freaks, I mean just crazy demons, and they come out. The whole Salem Mass, the common area, becomes like satanic. I mean, it's, it's insane. I remember in seminary going there with our uh, seminary team and like playing praise music in the middle of it. And these like satanically dressed people come and say, like, what are you doing? Do you know the dark side? I mean, like people say something. We're like praying Jesus. I mean, you know what I mean? Like just so much energy and like stuff. But at the same time, one thing that was, I think, missing was the depth part. There was still a lot of me, a lot of myself and what I wanted, what I thought it was good. There was, of course, you know, energy and rigor and stuff, but uh, when God's time perfectly comes, everything becomes so much smoother and things really opens up. And I, I see it in my life, in the, in the whatever, 25 years of my ministry life. Things that I wanted to just, just kind of run over because I wanted to accomplish things of God. Now I have more, a little bit more wisdom and patience and allow the Lord to do it in and through me and through us. A clear difference. You see, in God's time, I think God truly raises and accomplishes all that he meant to do in and, in and through your lives. And that, that time comes. And for Moses, that desert period was needed and necessary. And finally, uh, he becomes the man who delivers uh, the Israelites from the Egyptians. So as we close, let's close. Um, because the praise team to come up, and we'll just, uh, we'll just, we'll just pray a little bit and we'll close today. Uh, starting point of our Christian faith, once again, is, is relationship. It's intimacy. It's connection. For some of us, we are in need of a new, fresh encounter. We're like Moses, waiting for the Lord. But you could be one encounter away. You know, Moses got up that day tending sheep. Did he know there was going to be a burning bush? That was a day. I don't think he knew. We faithfully live our days, and one day God comes and God meets us, and everything changes. 
And I pray for that. I pray for us, you know, in this season, as we think about faith, I think about intimacy and relationship and going deeper with the Lord. Perhaps for some of you, some of us, you are desperate for a new encounter. You are desperate for a new encounter. Again, I'm not just talking about a charismatic, supernatural stuff, but a, a refreshed relational connection with the Lord. I, I pray for that. And, you know, pray for that. Ask the Lord, Lord, I need an encounter. I need you to come and I need, I need, I need to hear you calling my name again. And you need that connection. You need that, you need that intimacy with the Lord. And, and pray and ask the Lord. For others, uh, it's the deepening of the connection. It's really trusting in that somehow my story matters and there is a God's story, God's purpose, and you need to connect those two. That it's not just about me living my best life today. No, that's not the gospel. It's not. That's the world. But it's us living a faithful life and connecting our purpose with God's story. Then everything will change. There's be significant depth in your purpose and worth and meaning, everything that you do, because it's not just about you. You're part of something grander and greater, and it does make a difference. So I pray for that connection. I pray that the Lord will really reveal that uh, for for all of us. So can we pray? Let's just spend a moment in prayer uh, before we close with our last song. And asking the Lord, Lord, uh, we want our faith to grow. God, give us fresh encounters. And Lord, again, remind us of this connection. That connect us, God, in a deeper way. Can we just spend a moment in prayer? Close our last song today.